thank you for connecting to the media product of LifeGate Church. Pastor Brian Gallardo prays as this product goes out into the nations, that it empowers your faith, stirs your spirit, and pushes you towards your God-given destiny. For more information, please go to www.lifegatekc.org. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, verse 15 says this way, Follow closely to what we taught you in person and by our letters. Of course, this is Paul the Apostle saying this. Follow closely to what we taught you in person and by our letters. I want to preach a message to you this morning entitled, This is How We Do It. And uh, I'm going to believe God to do some great things in here as we establish a little bit of culture uh, for our church and uh, believe God for it. Father, we thank you for your goodness today. Lord, I pray that you just help us. Lord, help me to preach this morning. God, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are my partner and I can't do anything separate from you. I pray that you would help me to communicate under the unction of your spirit. Clothe me today in your anointing. Speak through me and speak to your people this morning. God, I'm so thankful for the amazing group of people that you have planted in this church. And I pray today that we would grow together and that we would go together. God, I pray that you take us to a deeper place in you and that you would flip the page, flip the script, and that we would all grow into maturity in Christ Jesus, we pray. And the people of God said amen and amen. Okay, so I've been talking to you a lot this month about being broke as a joke and how to not be in spiritual poverty. This whole series has not been about economics. It's been about spiritual wealth. And I believe with all my heart that God wants us to be spiritually prosperous as a church. I believe that God wants us to be really rich in spirit as a church. I believe that God wants us to be the kind of church where you walk in the room and you can feel the presence of God when you engage in worship. Anybody else say amen. I don't want to be a dead church. I don't want to be a church where you can't feel the glory of God. I don't want to be a church where we're not seeing what's happening in the Bible. Like what a lame church to be a part of. I want to be a church that has the wealth of heaven in the room. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here as it is there. May we have the same glory in this building as it is in heaven. Come on in here. The Bible said there's so much glory in heaven. There's no need for the sun by day. There's no need for the moon by night. For the glory and the presence of God lights up the sky. I'm believing by the time we leave this room some of you are going to get filled with the Holy Ghost some of you are going to get changed by God God's going to awaken something on the inside of you that faith will be stirred in your heart and together we will see the kingdom of God manifest in this earthly realm if you believe that slap your neighbor high five and tell them this is how we do it this is how we do it and I know it's not Friday night I know we're not on the east side but this is still how we do it um, you know, I was thinking about this message today, and the Lord, I, I preached a little bit of this on Wednesday night. Listen, Wednesday night, we almost had a record attendance for young people on Wednesday night. And the anointing was in the room. We ain't had that, that many people in this youth ministry in over a year. I mean, it was incredible what God did on Wednesday night. And I preached my brains out. I really did. And it wasn't even a youth service because we don't go back to youth services until August. We're going to go to full-fledged youth services in August. And it was so incredible. Ben did an incredible job on Wednesday night. So proud of him. So I was thinking, the Lord had me thinking about DNA. And DNA, we all know, is a molecule in our body for all, all living things have it. Animals have it. Humans have it. And it carries, everybody say, a genetic code. 
This genetic code that lives in us, particularly, it helps us to survive, it helps us to develop, and it helps helps us to reproduce. I'm going to say that word one more time. It helps us to reproduce. It helps us to reproduce. Now, this code comes from our mom and our dad. And so that's why you'll hear people say like, oh, she's a chip off the old block or he acts just like his daddy, right? You get around Kira Stancil, she acts just like her daddy. That DNA runs strong. You get around the Pickens and Nova acts just like her daddy. That DNA, they're, they're silly. That DNA runs really, really, really strong. You get around Olivia, she looks, she looks like her fine mama, but she acts just like... Oh my goodness, y'all pray there's two of us. She acts just like her daddy because that DNA is what gives her her facial features, her body type, her psychology, her personality. DNA gives us features. Features. I'm going to say it one more time for the people in the back that are writing out the laundry list. Features. DNA gives us features. So in the natural, we have features given to us by our parents. But in the kingdom, we have spiritual DNA features given to us by our spiritual parents. Every church has a spiritual mother and a spiritual father that oversee that church. You say, Pastor, I've never heard that taught on or preached on. I think this is crazy. Well, go to every church and you can find out traits and features in the church that trace back to leadership. John C. Maxwell says it this way. Everything rises and falls on leadership. If you want to know what the church is going to look like, that's the wrong one, but it's okay. If you want to know what, uh, if you want to know what a church is going to look like, look to the person leading it. Uh, 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 this is how we do it. So spiritual DNA then reproduces after the parents or the spiritual parents of a church. These features will never change in a church unless God changes the leader who's leading that church. I'm trying to help you. Okay, we're going we're to go somewhere this morning. Uh, God calls a senior leader to lead a church in the local church that he establishes and then that leader imparts it into the team if you're on exec staff pastoral care would you please stand up really quick exec staff pastoral care could you please stand up okay so here's how it works i invest into these guys what i think the dna of the church is supposed to be according to how the system of operation that god gave it to me that's why when somebody comes to our church and they have an idea about a ministry they want to start 99.9999 percent of the time we don't do it because it doesn't come in line with what God has already established here for us through a structure of governing office gifts. Look at your neighbor and say, ooh, this is how we do it. So I impart it to these guys, and then these guys impart it to dream team leaders. If you're a dream team lead, stand up to your feet real quickly. These guys impart it to dream team leads, and then the dream team leads impart it into the dream team. Now, if you serve in the church in any capacity, stand to your feet real quickly. Sir, look at all this, all these amazing volunteers. Come on. My goodness gracious. And so, so it, it flows that way. Give your neighbor a high five and say, this is how we do it, and grab your seat. So Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 2.15, follow closely what we taught you in person and by our letters. He's not necessarily just talking about theological, doctrinal things that he taught them, and I'm going to prove it to you. Some theologians believe that Paul was in Thessalonica for three weeks. 
Some theologians believe he was in Thessalonica for three months. It doesn't really matter if it's three weeks or three months. We just know that Paul poured himself strong into the church of Thessalonica. Now, throughout history, the Thessalonican church has a great reputation because they were really wealthy in the spirit. They were an extremely healthy church in structure and in order and spirituality. And, and Paul raised up uh, three main leaders in Thessalonica, Jason, uh, Aristarchus, and Segundus. They're in scripture throughout the Bible. And Paul had several leadership conferences with these three guys. And he ministered there to Jews, to Gentiles, and to pagans in the Thessalonican church. Silas and Timothy were very strong, helping him to do that. And Paul established the order in the Thessalonican church. He established order. So I, I want to. I, I read through. I read through Paul's writings as it pertained to the Thessalonican church. And I want you to hear because I, I didn't. I did not include the ways of living, or theological, or doctrinal issues that would be an eternal matter. I, I wanted to look for the things on systems, how he did it, things that he instilled into the natural part of relationships to make sure that the church was strong. Because you can pray in tongues all you want to and have three people in your church. That doesn't mean your church is going to be strong. There's got to be system, order, and structure. Here's what he said. Hey, imitate what we do. Model our ways. Receive us as your leader and follow our ways. Encourage one another, comfort one another, and please be gentle with each other. That, that sounds like a good church. He said, live orderly lives. Receive our instructions as if God was speaking to us through us to give to you. Lead a quiet life. Here's one for you. Mind your own business. <laughs> Work with your own hands. Win the respect of those who aren't saved. Respect those who lead and govern the church over you and hold them in the highest regard. Live in peace with each other. Keep away from the man who calls himself a brother but won't follow our instruction. Keep away from the brother who is lazy and won't work and earn his own way. Warn those who don't. He said this twice, so I'm going to say it twice. Warn those who don't and won't work and aren't busy with their hands but busy with their mouth. He said, don't eat food, and he said, make sure that you tell them to, to pay for the food that they're eating. Earn the bread that they eat. Test everything, and don't treat prophecy with contempt. Now, all these things right here have nothing to do with eternity. They have nothing to do with you missing heaven or going to hell. They have nothing to do with you growing in your spirit. They have to do with Paul's ways of leading the church. That's why he said, follow closely to what we taught you in person and by our letters. I'm getting to the preaching point, but I have to lay out this foundation first. Because in church, you must know today, everything rises and falls downward. If the church flops, it's because leadership was flopping downward. If the church grows, it ain't got anything to do with good preaching. It's got to do with good leading. If the leader's healthy, the church will be healthy. If the leader's sick, the church will be sick. If the leader is seeking God, the church should be seeking God. Whatever a church looks like is because of one God put there to lead. Okay, here's how spiritual DNA works in a church. First, God gives it to a set person, and then that set person gives it to the people. Uh, 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 let, me, let me give you some scripture here. Psalm 133, verse 1 through 2. And I, I'm going I'm to get into some preaching. 
But, but I, able, I haven't been able to preach this in about a year, and I, I, I'm kind of like overloaded. So, so, so I'm going to teach you a whole series in one day because my sabbatical starts next week, and i got to get it all out. Psalm 133, 1 through 2 says this, How good and pleasant it is when people live together in unity. Isn't that a good concept? Don't you like unity in your house? Some of you didn't have unity on the way to church. I can feel it. He's fighting on the way to church, slapping your kids, cussing out your spouse, giving the person a bird to cut you. I know there's not been unity in your car on the way to church, but we're going to talk about unity. Now, unity can't happen unless somebody's making it happen. We ain't going to have that way here because we are in unity. That's how you keep the unity, right? Why y'all looking at me like I'm crazy? You know, y'all should see your face, man. It's like, woo. You should uh, smile or something. Praise God. Okay. Then he says, it is like the precious oil on the head. Where does it go? Running down. Running down. The oil running down to the beard, shoulders, garment, right? Do you know that church is one of the only institutions where people come thinking it should be the other way? I mean, can you imagine your teenager bringing a friend over to your house and that friend telling you what time y'all going to have dinner? Why y'all looking at me funny? Brother Carr's like, I'd beat him. He's, I seen the sinister grin on his face. I'd beat him. I'd tell Kai's friend to go home. That's what I told him to do. You know what I mean? It runs down. Everything rises and falls. Everybody say downward. Okay, let's look at two more verses, and then I'm going to get into the nitty-gritty. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, and God has appointed. Who appointed? God. Say it one more time. Who appointed? I'm not a hireling. Who appointed me? God. Aren't you glad I'm not a hireling? Yes. Who appointed? Who appoints your pastor? God. God. So God has appointed these in the church first. Ever see, see that word first? Because we live in a goofy culture where people think this is like 23rd. Like your tongue and prophecy and interpretation should trump what the pastor's doing. Because God, you had a bad pizza last night and God gave you a dream. First is governing gifts. I had somebody tell me off the other day, so there's no longer apostles and prophets in the New Testament church that died in the book of Acts. That's not in scripture. Paul said, first, this is in rank and order of importance for the church, for government. Apostles, secondary prophets, third teachers, and that miracles, the gifts, and then the gifts, the charisma gifts, healing, helps, administration, and varieties of tongues. So charisma gifts can't trump governing gifts. Leadership gifts in the church can't trump, the, 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 the actual Greek word is dogma gifts. Charisma can't take place of dogma because God sets dogma in order first. Let me, give you, let me give you another Bible verse because I want to help you. In this independence city, in a democratic government, let me show you how the kingdom works. Okay, Ephesians chapter number 4 verse 11 says this, and he, Jesus... Here's that word again, appointed. It means to set up and to inaugurate. So Jesus himself sets up and inaugurates apostles. What's an apostle? A special messenger, representatives, and ambassadors. We're all ambassadors of Christ Jesus. No, you're not in context governing office apostles are. Paul said, we implore you as the ambassadors in Christ. The panel of leadership implores you, is what Paul was saying. You're awfully quiet in here today. 
I'm just going to chalk it up to it's blistering hot outside. Okay. And some prophets who speak a new message from God to the people. Some as evangelists who spread the word. They're soul winners. Some as pastors who are shepherds. And some as teachers who guide and instruct. Everything rises and falls. Everybody say downward. So I want to tell you this this morning. It's going to encourage somebody. Never join a church based off their programs. Don't do it. Don't join a church because you like the music department. It will change. Don't join a church because you like the kids department. It will change. Don't join it because you like the youth department. That youth department will change. But there's one consistent in every church is there's a man or a woman of God declaring the word. And if you hear God in what they say, then that's the church you ought to plant in. Well, y'all, y'all, you look at your neighbor and say, it's okay to shout. Pastor's going to come for you in a minute. It's all good. He's just teaching right now. Tell him he's just teaching right now. Okay, so God then shapes the church to flow this way. In 1 Timothy chapter number 3, verse 1 through 7, every church should have an overseer. A pastor who isn't submitted should not have people in his church submitting to him. I would be a fool to ask you to submit to me, and so would you if I wasn't submitted to a leader. That's dangerous. And Paul knew that. That's why he told Timothy, here's the structure for overseers and bishops. And then in second, the second thing, the second level of leadership is when God places somebody to govern in that local church. This is Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 11 through 15. And the, the, the duty of me as your pastor, here's my, here's my job description, according to Scripture. To nurture the church. To prepare you to do the work of the ministry. To enlarge the people. To build the body, to bring the people into oneness, that's hard to do. Just look down your row. Y'all are different. If you haven't realized that yet, we are all different. We celebrate diversity with one common goal. That one common goal is the kingdom. It trumps everything. Uh-huh. My job is to bring us into relationship with Christ and to lead us into spiritual maturity. This is a mature message. That's why some of you are falling asleep because you're, you, ha, you're, 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 you have a hard time coming into maturity. You're disconnected. You want to be hyped up and emotional in the moment. You want to be preached in your emotions to be stirred. But I have to bring you into spiritual maturity. Mm-hmm. Um, and to point out false teaching and error, and to bring us into perfect love. Now, those then that are under me, according to 1 Timothy chapter number 3, 8 through 13, fight for what I fight for and lead how I lead. I'll put it to you this way. I'll put it this way. The speed of the overseer should be the speed of the team. If they quiet when I'm preaching, they're not following the speed of the overseer. If they stand during praise and worship and just have no worship in them, they're not following the speed of the overseer. This ain't that church. Everyone say this with me. The speed of the overseer is the speed of the team. Okay, let me take it a little step further. The speed of the pastor should be the speed of the people. I'm going to say it one more time for the people in the back. 
The speed of the pastor is to be the speed of the people. Come on in here. We shouldn't be hindering what God wants to do in a corporate house. Like, like if somebody came here and said, I'm going to just hear, I don't believe in the Holy Ghost. I don't believe in speaking in tongues. You're in the wrong church. Your unbiblical lack of revelation isn't going to change the fact that we are a Holy Ghost church. Well, I want to debate with you. Here's your debate. Read the book of Acts. Read the Gospels. Here's your debate with you. Read 1 Corinthians and then come talk to me. So as the leader of our church, slap your neighbor, high five and tell him, here he goes. As the leader of the church, I believe that there's things that God puts in our campus. Through me, the governing, the governing gift, through me into our campus that reproduces itself according to the spiritual DNA that a church is supposed to have. I'm going to give you three of them today. I got like 50, but I'm going to give you three. Because I know, I know I'm not going to preach for a couple weeks, so I have to get it all out there at once. Number one, everybody said number one. We are a church at LifeGate that honors leadership. We, like, like I, I, now, now, Brother Carr, see, I can't even call you by your first name. I just can't because I honor you. Well, he's not a pastor here. It doesn't matter. I honor him as, as a statesman. He pastored for seven years. That was, man, y'all. I can't call him. Hey, what's up, Pete? What's up, Pernell? What's up, my guy? What's up, dude? I have too much respect for him. I can't call Elder Mark, Marky Mark. What's up, Marky Mark? Man, it just sounds like blasphemy or something. My God. Because I honor ministry. I can't call Pastor Greg G. Money. That's what Pastor Margie calls him. I can't call him that. What up, G Money? I can't call him that. I can't call Elder McCarroll. What's up, bro? What up, my dude? I feel I find that to be disrespectful. In the Bibles, there, there's this guy, Second Kings. This story always cracks me up. It's in chapter number two, and it's a story about a prophet named Elisha. He was on his way to this place called Bethel, which is the house of God. And 42 teenagers came out mocking him. He was a good-looking guy. He, they came out mocking him saying, what's up, Baldy? Go up, Baldy. And the Bible said that God cursed the situation, and two bears came out the woods and mauled 42 teenagers to death. It's a biblical principle throughout all Scripture that God honors leadership. And because it's a principle to God, it's a principle here. Slap your neighbor a high five and tell him this is how we do it. I was reading one of my favorite, one of my favorite portions of the scripture to read is the Pentateuch. I love the first five books of the Bible. If you're not familiar with those first five books, I encourage you really read it. Get a fresh understanding and a revelation of it. But there's a guy in there by the name of Moses. Moses is the guy. I mean, he is the leader of all leaders. He is the man. And he is a great spiritual father. And he raises up all these spiritual sons. He lays hands on them. He anoints them. And he ordains them into ministry. Well, there was this guy by the name of Korah who started to resist his leader. The Bible said he stood up in resistance against Moses and started accusing him. 
God in his face. He gathered 250 prophets and priests with him and said, we're against you, Moses. They literally forgot the one who brought them out of dishonor and disregard. Your Bible said the earth opened up and ate them. Was Moses perfect? Did he do everything right? But it's the principle that God has established in scripture. When he puts a man in office, who are you to stand against the structure and the system God put on him? Is how we do it. Listen to what they said. This, this is what they accuse Moses of. You've gone too far. You're better than you think you're better than us. You don't care what we have to say about the vision. You don't care about our thoughts. You're high and mighty up on your high horse. You're lording over us. You're oppressing us. You're an abusive leader. You're not a man of your word. You're a horrible leader. Moses didn't say nothing. God said, back up. Where'd it go? I don't know. They gone. This is a church that honors ministry. Let's look at some Bible verses. Let's put some Bible on it, okay? Psalm chapter 105, verse 15 says this, Do not touch my anointed or do my prophets any harm. Now, I've heard church people misquote this verse to say, well, we're all anointed. I'm anointed to lead worship. I'm anointed to pray at the altar. I'm anointed, Kelsey, to run a camera. That's not what it's talking about. To bore you with all the Hebrew words, because I'm not good at pronouncing them, it always sounds like you got something in your throat. Let me just read to you when you translate it from Hebrew directly into English. Here's what it says. Do not put your hands or lips upon my consecrated priest, and do those who speak on my behalf no harm as to spoil their heart and to break their emotions. First Timothy 5.17. Boy, this is good teaching. But can you imagine if I went up to Bishop Hart and said, what's up, Jay? I'd be like, lightning? <laughs> I have nothing but honor for my overseers. I'm not going to go up to Pastor Parsley on Wednesday and say, what up, Rowdy Rod? How you doing, Raging Rod? First off, he let me have it. <laughs> He don't play that game. He'd be like, excuse me? Fire. Lot's wife. <laughs> Let the priest that, I hope I rule well, you guys. I hope I'm a pastor you can be proud of. Like, I hope you're proud the way I lead. I hope you think I'm classy. Like, for real, like, that's my goal. I only want you to get set free, delivered, filled with the Holy Ghost, and come to know Jesus better. Really, that's my heart. I'm not in this for my gain. I'm not in this for my following. I really want to help you to grow and be established in the earth as a follower of Jesus. That's my goal. And around here, we're going to honor leadership. Pastor Esther comes here. We show up because we honor the house. We're not going to not be here because I'm not preaching. Come on. We're going to be here because we honor ministry. It's who we are. We can't get away from it. This is God's business. This is God's house. This is how we do it. Come on, somebody. Let the priest who rule well be esteemed with double honor. Double honor. 
Honor is not something you can earn. That's respect. I hope I've earned your respect. For sure. But honor is something we freely give. Somebody asked me one time, Pastor, I know the words that honor your mother and your father, but my parents were messed up and they abandoned me. What do I do? So the Bible said honor your father and your mother. And you'll live long. It's something we give away freely. I would never call my mom, what's up, Sherry? I'd break her heart. My mom's super sensitive. She'd be like, hey, when did you call me? We honor each other here. It's in our DNA. It's who we are. Somebody say, well, I don't like all that. I, we just all the same. Well, you don't read your Bible. You put your britches on just like I do. No, I really don't. I stand up on my bed. My wife holds them out. I take off running. I jump up and I slam into my jeans. I just lied in the pulpit. Listen. I don't wish this on anybody. If you ain't called the pastor, run as far away as you can. It's nonstop warfare. It's nonstop. You have to try to find the place of breath. It's like you're peddling water and the water's right here and you're just, I got a breath. How about you, honey? She's like, yep, I got one. Woo! Well, yeah, I got one. Woo! Constantly. We're going to honor minister around here. Are you ready for point number two? Now we're going to get into the preaching part, Matthew. This is us, point number two. And we're probably not going to get to point number three, but it's all right. Point number two is we are a church of volume. Don't make me have to take my shirt off and paint my chest red. Y'all are just so loud around here. Chris, can you please play them drums softer? No. When you came here, we was loud. Or the church down the road ain't loud. Well, then that might be your church. We're not a quiet church around here. We praise with passion. We love loudly. We honor loudly. We promote kingdom business with volume. We preach loud. We amen loud. We shout loud. We say amen loud. We are a church with volume. Somebody say it. Well, that's not all necessary. It doesn't have to be a necessary thing. It has to do with the DNA of our house. Like, it gets so overwhelmingly sickening to always have to face people coming to our church saying, I don't like it, I don't like it, I don't like it, I don't like it, I don't like it. It's the DNA of our church. And as long as I'm the pastor, I don't see it any other way. Go through scripture. I promise. I just need to do. I need to do a word study on the word loud for y'all. 
but can't we have quiet time? There's no such thing in the Bible as quiet time. It's not in the Bible. I've looked. It's not in the Bible. Well, I need to have my quiet time and coffee. Chapter and verse, please. Because I can give you about 50 where it says, lift up your voice loudly. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. In heaven, the praise is so loud. It's like the cackles of thunder and like the roar of a multitude and like the sound of a mighty rushing wind where they're shouting holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. This is how we do it. See, see, American church wants to come and be comforted and comfortable. But I'm not called to comfort religion. I'm a kingdom. I'm a, I'm a preacher. I'm not a talker. I'm not your life coach. Come on in here. I'm not definitely not a politician. My God. I'm not a life coach. I'm not, I'm not your counselor. I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus. I'm a preacher. The word preach in the Greek means to lift up your voice and herald like a newspaper. I am here this morning to lift up my voice and to herald like a newspaper that God is good, that God is provider, that God is holy, and we're going to do it with some volume. Somebody say yes. Slap your neighbor high five and tell them this is how we do it. Okay, so we are a church of honor. But John, you sound good on that piano. You sounded good earlier on that piano. And you look good up here. Can I get a witness? Miss Susan's sitting out there all distracted. Because <laughs> we are a church of honor. Don't send me any emails. But I just think that you're wrong about the whole loud thing. Don't, don't, don't mess with me. I'm a different stage in my, my listen, I'm a different, I'm a different pastor. The last year changed me. I'm not the, don't mess with me. I'll smile and directly put you in scripture. Leanne and, and Donnie made me a seat that said, be careful. You might become a sermon illustration. Number three, I will not apologize. For being a Holy Ghost church. We are a Holy Ghost church. We speak, in we speak in tongues around here. We fall out on the floor. We shake under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Tears will stream down our cheek. We believe in casting out demons around here. We believe in signs and miracles and wonders. Come on. We believe in folks like Jerry who were addicted and bound to methamphetamine for years. Walks into the door, gets prayer, and is instantly delivered by the power of the Holy Ghost. We believe signs and miracles accompany the word. We are a book of Acts church. We are a Holy Ghost church. I make no apologies for it. We're going to speak in tongues publicly, privately, in our bedroom, in our car, on the platform, in the bathroom, and if you stay around long enough, you're going to speak it up too. I'm so tired of a coward church that's scared to death to do what the Bible tells us to do. My God, raise up a tongue talking, a yoke destroying, burning, removing church in America, God. Somebody say this is us. Is how we do it. We're going to pray in tongues because the Bible said to pray in tongues. We're going to fast for power because the Bible said to fast for power. We're going to raise the spiritual dead because we're not thermometers, we're thermostats. And we're going
heat up five more notches and agree with heaven and say yes look at your neighbor say this is us we make no apologies we believe in the tangible presence of God we believe in the miracle signs and wonders they were not a metaphor they actually happened Jesus actually walked on water Jesus actually healed a woman who bled for 12 years Jesus actually healed blind Bartimaeus Peter actually raised Dorcas from the dead this is us look at your neighbor say this is us This is us. We believe the Bible. That was another point, but I can't get it in there. Acts chapter 1. Jesus says, Go to Jerusalem and wait for the power on high. 120 saints remain in the upper room. They begin to pray. In Acts chapter number 2, the Bible said on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost came from heaven and descended upon them. And they were filled with power and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Two, three thousand people get saved. Acts chapter number 3, there's a lame man stuck at the gate called Beautiful. He had never walked before. And the New Testament church walks up to the temple and said, silver and gold? I do not have but what I have I give unto you arise in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth in a man who never walked before jumped up and started leaping 5,000 get saved Acts chapter number 5 miraculous signs and wonders were done through the early church Acts chapter 6 Stephen preaches the glory of God comes upon him and the masses are one. Acts chapter 8, Philip preaches in Samaria, casts the devil out of a witch doctor, and the masses get saved. He baptizes an Ethiopian man, teleports to another city. This is us. I don't want it like American religion has it. I want it like the Bible says. I don't want it like dead lukewarm Christianity. I want it like the Bible says. Oh yeah. Acts chapter number nine. Paul has an experience with God on the road to Damascus. Peter walks into the home of Dorcas, grabs that dead corpse from the ground. She rises on her feet and walks. Acts chapter 10, the Holy Ghost is poured upon the Gentiles. Acts 11, the masses get saved. Acts 12, Peter escapes from prison through angelic host. Acts chapter 13, Paul begins to curse a man who opposed the message and he went blind. This is us. Acts 14, lame man healed. Acts 16, church explodes. Devils come out of a girl. Acts 17 and 18, many get saved. Acts 19, Paul's in Ephesus. And the anointing comes upon him. And they spread out his handkerchiefs. And when they touch the skin of people, demons come out and people get healed. This is us. my God the book of Acts is the only blueprint for what church should look like 
I don't care what church leadership conference you go to. The book of Acts is the blueprint. I was told about a church planners conference the other day. They didn't mention in four days one thing about winning the loss for Jesus. They mocked and made fun of people who walk in the supernatural calling them crazy. That's not the blueprint I read. There are 28 chapters in the book of Acts. Do you know that when Luke was writing to Theophilus, he never said, I love you, son. He never said, so be it. He never said goodbye. He never said, this concludes my letter of the book of Acts. It just abruptly ends. You know why? Because you're on the next chapter. Because I'm the next chapter. We the next chapter of the book of Acts. Wherever our feet go, God has given us the territory. Find me at Walmart, devil. You better leave me alone. I'll cast you out of a person at Walmart. Find me at the crackle barrel. I will preach Jesus until the sun goes down in the pulpit, out of the pulpit. Because we Acts chapter 29. Somebody say, this is us. Look at your neighbor say, this is you. We a Holy Ghost church. We a holy rolling bunch. We the Bible thumping, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, demon casting out, church of the living God. This is us. It's who we are. And devil, we're here to stay. American church is that there's too many cowards in the pulpit too afraid to say this my God they'll take their offering and leave my God you'll lose the church honey if they're not part of the kingdom they weren't part of the church in the first place come on Nick I need to hear a shout from the back row come on Miss Jerry I need to hear a shout from the back row come on Jeff This church is going to be wealthy in spirit. It will not be broke as a joke. Tweet that, homeboy. I said, tweet that, homeboy. We about to make speaking in tongues popular. And these signs will follow them that believe in my name. They will cast the devil out. In my name, they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In my name, they will speak in an unknown tongue. Dearly beloved, build yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. For this sign is for an unbeliever. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies his own spirit. I dare you to take 30 seconds and lift your voice up and start building your faith and pray in the Holy Ghost.
Come on, five seconds. Brande in the name of Jesus 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 in the name that's above every name in the name of Jesus in the name of my Jesus uh, not the Jesus Paul preached but the Jesus I know in the name my wife I'm not going to preach for a couple weeks I'm going to put it all on the platform today some of you haven't felt the presence of God in years I dare you to lift up your mouth and just start praying in the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus Jesus, now we have to have some teaching on what we just did. Jesus didn't teach and then do. He didn't say, hey guys, let me teach you why I need to spit in this man's eye. I'm going to hawk a big old loogie in the dirt, spread it on his eyes. Let me teach. No. Jesus did it. Then he said, hey guys, this is what this means. There are four types of tongues in the Bible. Four of them. And this is how untheologically sound people get it twisted. We well, should never pray in tongues publicly if you do it. That's not in the Bible. You shouldn't speak in tongues publicly unless there's an interpretation. That's not praying in tongues. To speak a tongue is when we all get up, everyone's quiet, and we speak it publicly for the whole church. That's for, that's for corporate edification. Then there's praying in the Holy Ghost. Jude 20. He that prays in the Holy Ghost builds his faith up. Then there's the language of nations. That's Acts chapter 2, 1, and 4. They weren't speaking in a heavenly language. It was a heavenly language, but the people heard it in their native language. So all the people came. I hear you speaking in Crete. I hear you speaking in Japanese. I hear you speaking in Afrikaans. They heard it. And the fourth language, tongue, is the language of heaven. They don't speak in Spanish there. No speaking in Spanish, none. Uh -uh. I know that's the language... Of beauty. My people, that's the language of beauty. I was for sure that's what they spoke in heaven, but it's not. It's the language of heaven. God doesn't talk in English in heaven. He has his own language. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On this earth. Who I feel the Holy Ghost as it is in heaven. Let me talk like you're talking there. That's why 1 Corinthians 14 1 said when you speak in tongues and when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're actually speaking mysteries that only God understands. That means when you talk it, the devil's getting confused. If I ever hear a thought in my head that's anti-God, you know what I do? That devil's like, what's he saying? Hold on, my shekarabaya.
Hamakai. I'm a presence guy. I feel the presence of God in here, Bree. Pastor, you're over four minutes. So what? This is us. Michael over 50. This is us. What do we do when we're confused? What do we do when we don't know how to pray? This is us. This is us. Well, I don't believe in all this. I joined the church because you guys have such a dynamic youth director. You better be careful because he might be back there with your kids. Do you do this in youth? Yes, we're doing it in youth. Are you serious? I'm taking these kids to one of the most Holy Ghost houses on the planet this week. It's us. We're going to honor here. We're going to honor here. Here we're going to honor. There's, there's a systematic structure that God has called us to have. Anything else is out of order. It's out, it's out of order. If you hear people out there putting their lips on your leader here, your loyalty is non-existent if you don't stand up and say something. Because to be loyal to someone means you can't be loyal to everyone. It's coming around. I'm about to preach on Jezebel. It's coming around. I just had to wait till the Lord said I could. I did write a book on it. It just got revised, by the way. Got revised, had to fix some things in there. We honor leadership. We don't apologize for it. Pastor, you telling us to honor you? I'm telling you to honor leadership. If you consider me your leader, biblically, you shouldn't show dishonor. Do you know that the gift in me can't work if there's no honor in the room? If I'm your homeboy and I'm your, I'm your coffee, tea, and prophecy guy, let's go have coffee and tea. I can't do that this week. I don't like you anymore. I'm leaving. You're a manipulator is what you are. We honor leadership. Ooh. Dr. Hart used to tell me, well, you cut the grass low today. <laughs> Secondly, we're a church of volume. And, and we, 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 we ain't loud just to be loud. You can go to the Chief Stadium for that. You know, they broke a decibel record over there for absolutely no reason. But here, when you shout, we believe that it affects the principalities. That's why they blew a shofar horn, because the, the, the pitch of it was so high, they believe it to disturb the heavenlies. And we come to church like... And number three, we make no apologies. I am not bashful about it. I can't do this without the help of the Holy Ghost. 
He, he, is my, he is my paraclete, my comforter, my help, my counselor, my walk alongside, the one who leads me and guides me to everything that's true. I do not make any, I'm not embarrassed of him. I will not quench him. I will not grieve him. He has 100% reign and rule in this pulpit, in this church, in this house, on you, on me. This is his church.